Welcome to Everyday Health Simplified. I'm Elisa Poole, ex-teacher turned health enthusiast. Each episode, you get bite-sized pieces of nutrition and mindset education so that you can be empowered to take the next step on your wellness journey. Welcome back, everybody. This will be the last episode of 2023. Can you believe we are there already? After this episode airs, I'm going to be taking a couple weeks off to be with my family over the holidays, as I hope you also get to do. But since it is the last episode of the year, I wondered what kind of information might be helpful for you as we approach a new year. The new year is often a time when people evaluate what's so in their lives. They assess how things are going and decide on any changes they might want to make, right? It's a time of recalibration, rearrangement, and reconfiguration. (laughs) Many people set intentions for the year. They choose words that focus their efforts or they make resolutions. What's true, I believe, is that a period of reflection, no matter when in the year it falls, is helpful for us in our personal growth. What's also true is that after a few weeks of intentions or resolutions or goal setting, many people have a hard time sticking to them and fall back into old patterns and behaviors. Why is that? Well, it could be due to multiple things, right? Of course, this might be due to their personalities or the nature of the resolution they set, their circumstances, but it also can boil down to the way they respond to expectations, which is basically, when you look at it, what resolutions and intentions and goals really are, are expectations you're placing on yourself. So if you know your tendency in responding to expectations, maybe you'll be better equipped to handle those intentions, those resolutions, or the goals that you set. Do you know how you respond to expectations? I didn't. It turns out we all have a tendency, and that's what we're going to explore today. If you know your tendency, you have better chances of mobilizing your strengths to your advantage and finding ways to overcome your weaknesses. If you know your tendency, you can become more efficacious in your goals, your communication, and dare I say, your life in general. If you know your tendency, you'll be able to see what's getting in your way of success and do something about it. And if you don't see your tendency, it will remain a blind spot that keeps you ineffective. Ain't nothing but tendency, baby. All of us locked out going crazy. I learned about the four tendencies from author Gretchen Rubin, who wrote the books The Happiness Project and The Four Tendencies. She explains that your tendency is the way you respond to expectations that are placed on you in life, whether those are external expectations like job deadlines or traffic laws, or internal expectations like personal goals and resolutions. Your tendency is not your personality. It applies only to how you respond to expectations. According to Ms. Rubin, there are four tendencies and we all fall into one of them. We might be dominant in one and lead towards another, but we all have a primary response to expectations. And the four tendencies are upholder, obliger, rebel, and questioner. I'm gonna give you a summary of what I learned from her book, the strengths, the weaknesses, and the needs of each tendency. And by doing this, hopefully, it'll give you an insight into your tendencies, the places you get stuck, and how you might help yourself out of them. Ready? It's like this and like that and like this and the... Okay, yeah, anyway, well, let's keep going. About 19% of the population are upholders. This means they accept 
expectations, both inner and outer. Upholders easily meet expectations. They love schedules, routines, they're self-directed and disciplined. Upholders are typically independent and reliable. And once they decide to do something, they simply do it. They have a high degree of self-mastery, they rarely burn out, and feel best when they have plans because then they can execute them. They're energized by checking things off of a to-do list and getting things done. Do you know anyone like that? I am a fellow upholder. Upholders do have weaknesses, however. Often, they have a hard time delegating to other people. They feel compelled to follow the rules and are impatient with other people who don't follow expectations or even can be disapproving of them. They can be seen as rigid and can be uneasy about changing their schedules and habits. Additionally, it can be hard for upholders to hear their own voice. When other people suggest they do things, it's very easy for that suggestion to become a new expectation to the upholder. I know that's very true for me. When Ben has a new idea, I automatically think it's a new expectation he's placing on me. And he's since learned to preface his comments by saying, I have an idea. It doesn't mean we're doing it, it's just an idea. (laughs) But crazily enough, just him saying that really helps me consider things more objectively and openly. As an upholder, I rarely burn out. I value taking care of myself because I value having command over myself, which could translate into having a high threshold for productivity. But I definitely have to define what it exactly is that I want and value, and then I need to stick to that. Or I can get sucked into loads of expectations even when I don't actually want to do them. So a question that upholders need to ask themselves is, even if I can do this, should I? Upholders need to get clear on what matters most to them. Does this thing align with your values? Does it appeal to your value of performance or self-command? Get clarity before you say yes. The next tendency is the obliger, and they are the largest percentage of the population, about 41%. Obligers are people who meet outer expectations but resist inner expectations. They are the people who will meet the deadlines at work, who will keep their promises and follow through on their word. They usually get along well with others, like to do things for other people, and are willing to go the extra mile. You probably know many obligers, or you are one, since they are the largest group. Weaknesses of the obliger include struggling to self-motivate. They have a hard time following through on their own demands of themselves. They will rebel, however, if outer expectations become too great and feel resentful about demands that are placed on them. They might feel obligated to do what no one has actually asked of them, and they have trouble saying no. Their problem is not a lack of dedication or discipline or even motivation. Surprisingly, it's usually only a lack of accountability. What works well for obligers is external accountability of some kind, the kind that's right for them. This could look like a calendar, a list, a chart, a person, an app, a coach, a group, or a client. Whatever it is, it's someone or something outside themselves that they use to keep them on track. Why? Because it's natural for obligers to meet outer expectations, but to resist inner ones, especially ones they set for themselves. So if you are an obliger, or you know an obliger, consider how you could create external accountability for those goals. Some people create fake deadlines along the way. They recruit other people to be their partners or other people to enforce limits. 
It also helps obligers to think of it as being a role model for other people because value teamwork and duty. So a good question to ask is, does this matter to anyone else? Rebels are the smallest percentage of people at around 17%, still a decent amount. Rebels are people who resist both inner and outer expectations. It's sort of like you can't make them and neither can they. (laughs) The wonderful thing about rebels is that they think outside the box. They have no problems being self-expressed. They are unfazed by conventional thinking and they act from a place of freedom. They enjoy challenges, they like defying expectations, and they find it easy to say no. Rebels place a high value on self-determination, authenticity, and knowing themselves. They have a deep need for purpose, and they value pleasure, they like to do things their way. Their weaknesses relate mostly to that automatic nature they have to resist. Rebels resist anything that they perceive as controlling, which is ironic because that resistance often controls them. Also ironic is that while they resist expectations placed on themselves, even if they set a goal for themselves, they have no problems imposing expectations on other people. Rebels resist commitment and schedules, and they are often considered uncooperative or inconsiderate of others, especially in a group setting. So what helps rebels meet expectations? Well, usually what works is less asking, less reminding, and giving them more info and choice. Giving them knowledge that helps them inform their decision, and then giving them the consequences of their action or inaction, and then giving them options for choices without lecturing, hovering, saying I told you so, any of that. Often, rebels respond to elements of game, challenge, or dares. They prefer no audience, since audiences usually mean expectations. Rebels also typically want to connect to their identity. So a good question to ask is, is this the person you want to be? And the fourth tendency is what's known as the questioner. And about 24% of the population are questioners, including my husband. Questioners have a deep commitment to information, logic, and efficiency. They are interdirected. So they tend to resist outer expectations, but they have no problem meeting inner expectations. Questioners are often data-driven, they like research, and enjoy weighing their options. They often act as resources to other people, and they like sharing knowledge. They like to improve processes, they're good at finding loopholes, and they like to make up their own minds. The weaknesses of questioners are that they can disagree with policies or rules that they consider arbitrary or ineffective. If it doesn't make sense to them, it's useless. They can be seen as troublesome, suffer from analysis paralysis, and have a hard time accepting closure on a topic if they still have questions about it. They can be impatient with others that they view as complacent, and while they like questioning others, they resist being questioned themselves. What questioners need to know is the reason why. They want justification. They want their theories addressed and the opportunity to explain why they think the way they do. They often respond to doing things as experiments and queries into their thought processes. Hmm, how did you get to that conclusion? I'd love to hear your thoughts, right? If they understand the purpose of an expectation, if they see the reasoning behind it, then it becomes an inner expectation for them, which they can then uphold easily. The beautiful thing about tendencies is that we all have them. And while we may not understand other tendencies, for example, as an upholder, rebels make absolutely no sense to me. (laughs) 
The beautiful thing is we get along best with other people when we can recognize and respect where they're coming from and how they approach the world. It doesn't matter what we think a person should do. It only matters what works for them or what works for you. So knowing your tendency can help you be aware of your patterns and it offers you a chance to change your behavior if you want to. And then it helps you get what you need or what you want out of your life. This year is gonna be the year that they're gonna throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. That is recognize your tendency and figure out how to work with it instead of against it. Because maybe you're gonna be the one that saves you. And after all, you're a wonder wall. Who knows what a wonder wall is? Not even Oasis knows, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But if you're curious as to what tendency you have, go to Gretchen Rubin's site and take the quiz. I'll put a link in the show notes for easy access. You can even get her book and read it if you like that. I found it pretty fascinating and entertaining. I love that kind of stuff. And this holiday season, I wish you oodles of happiness and joy as well as those powerful, reflective moments of gratitude for what we've lost, what we've gained, and what we've learned along the way. And then maybe enough courage to change the things that we want to see changed in ourselves. Thank you for listening today, everyone. Please share this with a friend who might enjoy learning about their tendency, because the more we understand ourselves, the more compassion we have for ourselves and for others as well. Cheers to 2024. I'll see you all in the new year. Bye-bye.